welcome to the world according to me the show where perception is reality facts matter and the truth will set you free i uh, hope today's episode finds you healthy wealthy and warm because uh we're going to tackle climate change today uh it, it's a controversial issue i think primarily because you can't see it taste it or smell it and we have to believe in what the politicians tell us and and what uh some paid researchers are paid to say and what some paid researchers are paid not to say um is it real eh it's still skeptical i think I, I think a thousand years ago we thought the world was flat and we know it's not and uh today we think the world is burning in hell and it may not be um because everything changes with our education and and how long we've been here uh but nonetheless i want to talk about it because it's been in the news a lot um and i find it interesting i find it intriguing um and, and i think it's important that we cut through all the bullshit like a hot knife through butter and let intelligent people like yourselves make your own conclusion um, so first, uh, let's talk about uh, climate change for dummies. That's the name of the, the episode today. Um, I, I think we need to lay a little foundation here before we start. Um, and first of all, I want to say that uh, I am not a climate change denier. Um, I, I believe that uh, and understand, I'm intelligent enough to understand that uh, CO2 emissions into the atmosphere are problematic, um, that they absorb heat and uh, they, they don't allow it to release into the atmosphere and therefore our planet is warming. Uh, what I differ in and what I uh, vehemently combat people on in terms of debate is the how and the why um, and, uh, and the costs associated with it. Um, like everything else, we think we can legislate ourselves out of uh, natural evolution and progression of people. Um, so uh, that's the problem that I have. So I want to lay that foundation first and say this is not an episode where I tell you that uh, global warming is a is a is a myth, um, and that everything is going to be fine. Um, it's simply like I do everything else. Where I'm going to lay out the facts for you to see, um, and then allow you to make your own conclusion. Um, so with that, there's one thing that I think we need to understand is number one, I am not a climate change expert. I don't play one on TV, and I did not sleep in a Holiday Inn Express last night. However, neither are these people. Um, this is uh, Greta Thornburg. She is 16 years old. Uh, which would make her roughly a sophomore in high school. Um, <laughs> I would argue that she's probably smarter than the other two politician dipshits on the screen, but I don't know that she's capable of uh, helping us draw conclusions around climate change and what we should do to better the planet from a 16-year-old. I wouldn't let her vote. I wouldn't buy her a drink. Um, I wouldn't let her uh, be able to marry or move away from her parents. Uh, therefore, I don't think she should be making catastrophic decisions for the rest of us. Uh, Al Gore there on the screen. Uh, from the fame of inventing the internet or whatever bullshit he tried to tell everybody in the beginning, uh, lost a close race to George Bush uh, in a presidential election and has basically evaporated from the planet. I'm assuming global warming sucked him into oblivion somewhere. Uh, but uh, an inconvenient truth is that his book was bullshit and everything he said never came to fruition. Uh, and now he's trying to say, oh, I, I did the math wrong. Well, of course you did, dumb fuck. You did, you did the math wrong and that's why you're a dumbass and nobody listens to you anymore. Um, and then the third and final knucklehead on that screen is uh, Lurch Carey. <laughs> you may recognize him from the Adams family. Uh, still a little bitter from when they took the bolts out of his neck years ago. Uh, but he is now the, the climate czar. And, and you might remember him from such uh, award-winning uh, masterful negotiations as the Iran nuclear deal, uh, which we all now know was a complete and total disaster. Let's put him in charge of climate. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, he's only married to the, the ketchup queen of the planet. And uh, he flies around in his own private plane, burning up carbon dioxide and fuel and everything else. So let, let's make sure that he gets to weigh in on the topic. Um, so I am not a climate genius, but 
neither of those assholes. So I think we're on equal footing here for the most part. So next, uh, the truth will set you free like everything else we do. So uh, let's, let's get into the discussion and the debate here. And again, lay out the, uh, lay out the facts for you, the listener, and, and allow you to make a conclusion. Um, so first, we need to understand what global climate or global uh, warming and climate change really are. I mean, what, what is it really? Um, it, you know, is it derived from cars burning up gasoline? No, it's not. Um, and the people that tell you that are lying. Um, it, does that contribute to it? Well, yeah, I mean, everything contributes to it. Um, you know, the earth is, is very delicately balanced, um, but we were supposed to be here. That's how we got here. Uh, plants, animals, all those things contribute, but they were supposed to be here. That's how we got here. Even our oceans uh, contribute. The things that don't obviously are vehicles and, and transportation and the way that we extract fossil fuels from the earth. Um, and those are the debatable facts. However, here are the actual facts as it relates to, to, to climate change and what really sets the stage for climate change and why it's not fossil fuels that's the primary uh, provider, I guess, of climate change. Um, so the first thing you have to understand is that the, the universe is ever growing, expanding, and shrinking in some capacity, and the sun is no exception. The sun is but one star in our universe, um, and it is in a continual cycle of shrinking. Um, it produces nuclear fusion in the middle, which causes its mass to contract in on itself. And as it contracts in on itself, it heats up because that's the way the sun works and how nuclear fission works. As it heats up, it begins to expel solar flares or waves out into the universe, along with particles um, of heat absorbed particles uh, uh, blasted out into the universe uh, or the solar system. And those things hit the various planets or the other nine planets or eight, if you're a believer that Pluto used to be a planet, but isn't any longer. Uh, and, and it causes them to be moved off trajectory, although ever so slightly it caused them to be moved over uh, out of trajectory. Now we've only been tracking time for however many millions of years. Um, so we don't really know what things were like before that. We can only speculate. Uh, there's no pictures, there's no history, there's no writings where everything we're doing beyond the beginning of man is really speculative at best. Um, so it's important that you understand that. Now, gravity compresses the sun, and that's what causes those things. Uh, as the sun gets hotter, it pushes out the solar waves into the solar system, um, and, and that causes the Earth to move, even ever so slightly. The Earth um, is uh, in an orbit um, around the sun, as well as on its axis. Um, we all know that. We all learned it in kindergarten and, and through elementary school. We know that to be a fact. Um, what they don't tell us is that the Earth is not orbiting the sun in an exact circle. Um, it is actually an oval that actually expands and shrinks based upon the gravitational pull of the other planets, the moon, other stars, specifically but not limited to the sun. So as the Earth orbits um, and it gets further away, the gravitational pull of the sun shrinks and therefore the orbit of the Earth begins to slow ever so slightly. Nothing that we would ever notice until we start tracking it, which is actually what happened. Um, so it's causing more exposure to the heat for a different amount of time. So basically what happens is the earth is spinning. As the waves come out, it pushes us out a little bit, which causes the earth to slow. And when it slows, that means that there are parts of the earth that are facing the sun for longer periods of time. Now, there are also parts of the earth that are not facing the sun for longer periods of time. Where we are and the way that we look at things is our summertime happens between June and July and parts of August. That's when it's the hottest for our particular part of the Earth. Now, so what happens is the Earth spins around and because it's slowing and it's moving further away, what happens is you get more sunlight in those particular times for longer periods of time, which is giving you the illusion, although it is a reality, but the illusion that summer is becoming longer and winter is starting to shrink. 
And the reality is neither one are true. It's the slowing of the orbit of the earth, which is causing that effect. So if the summer is longer and it's hotter for longer periods of time, and we say, oh my gosh, it's getting hotter in, in April now than it ever has before. Well, of course it is because we're moving slower and the earth is exposed more. So imagine if uh, all of the sunshine that came off the sun, every ray of sunshine were one straw and you had a whole handful of straws and you were trying to compress them into a glass. And that glass was centered on, let's say, North America, just for the sake of discussion. As the glass turns, you can't get all the sunlight in there. You can get a couple as it continues to turn. But when you get the most sunlight in there is when the glass and the straws, meaning the sunlight, are completely lined up and then you can get virtually all of them in there. The longer that time period exists, the more that the heat is there. So you get more evaporation of water, you get more heat, um, you, you get uh, adverse effects to the earth that didn't normally exist. Hence the melting of the ice caps, those types of things. There's more exposure to the sun. Again, I'm not denying that carbon dioxide from cars and gas and that stuff doesn't play an impact. All I'm simply stating is that it's not the only contributing factor. So that's how global climate change or uh, how climate change and global warming work. Uh, they, the sun is exposed more often. It melts the ice caps. The surface of the earth gets hotter. Um, and, and, or, and therefore it, uh, actually changes, uh, gravitational pull of the earth because we're further away. Gravitational pull now on the moon is a little bit different. So it changes the lunar cycles as well, which is why you see differences in extremities of hurricanes, floods, those types of things. It's impacting everything that we do. I promise you. People driving in SUVs are not causing hurricanes, right? All of that is caused by lunar activity. We know that for a fact. So uh, gravitational pull of the moon and all those things are affected. That's really how it is in a nutshell. Again, don't get me wrong. I have a high school diploma. I read this shit, uh, but I did some research and some study, and that's really actually how those things work. Um, so uh, a couple of questions that we need to address um, because they're the most pressing ones out there because they're the ones that we're told uh, told the most. Um, and, and both of them are valid questions, uh, but the answers that they give us most of the time are, are myth uh, at, at best. So the first question is, uh, CO2 is killing us. Carbon dioxide is killing us. Um, and if we stop using oil and gas, it'll save us all. Well, first of all, you have to know what carbon dioxide is. Um, humans take in carbon monoxide, we push out carbon dioxide, um, and it flows into the universe and is there absorbed by other things. Uh, animals give it off, plants give it off, anything photosynthesis-wise produces this, uh, this effect with carbon dioxide. Um, most of the carbon dioxide, roughly 30 to 40%, is absorbed by the oceans, um, and that takes care of the most of it. The problem that we're having is that we're emitting more than we normally do, and therefore that's causing an imbalance. That does make sense. The thing that they're not telling you is that we only started measuring this effect somewhere around 1958. Um, and we started measuring the amount of carbon uh, dioxide in the air. Um, and if you really, what they tried to do was back up and start around 1900 based on data that they had, but it was a particular scientist in 1958. In 1900, um, there were roughly 2 billion humans on the planet. Uh, humans produce a, a, a tremendous amount of carbon dioxide because that's what comes out of us. We bring it in, and when we breathe it out, it becomes carbon dioxide, simple biology class. So at the time, there were about 2 billion uh, humans on the face of the earth. Fast forward to 2020, there are now 7.7 uh, .7 billion more humans on the earth. So there are roughly 9 billion people on the earth now, as opposed to what there were when they began to track it. So people that say, well, the humans don't really have that much of an impact on it. Well, they, they do when you get to five or 600% higher than it was when you started the Mendoza line of measuring around the year 1900. So that's a part that they don't tell you. Uh, 
Another part that they don't tell you is because of the distance from the sun and the way that things are moving and the changes in the gravitational pull, we also have an increase in volcanic activity. And uh, the 19th century, uh, according to how they were tracked, and I get it, there were less people here, but according to how they were tracked, there were roughly 45 active volcanoes on the face of the earth. Now, active meaning that they are continually producing lava and pushing out heat and eruptions, although not huge and in, uh, in dynamic, um, er an eruption nonetheless. Um, so that was in the 19th century. In the 20th century, there are now roughly 69 to 70 active volcanoes across the face of the earth. So there are more of them. And those things are producing out more carbon dioxide, more humans carbon dioxide, more volcanoes carbon dioxide. So the, the myth that if we stop using oil and gas is going to save the planet, that's a lie. Um, the second question is uh, CO2 is the worst of the greenhouse gases. They would tell you that because that's the only thing that we're going after. And, and I believe it's all economical, but you can draw your own conclusions. So the myth that CO2 is the worst of the greenhouse gases is also a myth. Uh, the, the worst of the greenhouse gases, gases is methane. Um, it uh, lasts a shorter period of time, but it um, is roughly 85 to 100 times more dangerous than CO2 itself. Um, now, uh, methane, uh, although they would tell you it comes from cow farts, <laughs> it's not really true. Methane is primarily from natural gas and is primarily found in the wetlands. Uh, and the, the wetlands, meaning the, uh, uh, the big thicket in Texas and, and the Everglades in Florida and the, um, uh, the rainforest and those types of things, places that are extremely wet, obviously. Um, now, the interesting thing is that John Kerry, you know, uh, Lurch will tell you that uh, as the climates are, um, that, you know, we, we've got to combat climate change and he's an expert and he's doing everything he can. But in 2004, he co-authored a bill to increase the wetlands by 3 million acres, um, which produces more methane than anything else on the face of the earth um, and, and is uh, 85 to 100 times more dangerous than CO2. Um, so all of that is bullshit. We know it's all bullshit. There is a little bit of validity to it. The problem is they're putting all their eggs in a basket that is much smaller than the eggs that they have. Um, and that's where the problem comes in is they continue to lie to you in order to get more money out of your pocket, stay in power longer. Um, so you're probably thinking to yourself, Hey, Jason, thanks for popping out on this Sunday afternoon and telling us the whole world's going to end and everything we've been told to save it is bullshit. Uh, and, but that's just not true either. Uh, the, the 16 year old that we talked about earlier, Greta Thornburg and AOC and the rest of the climate change morons will tell you the whole world's going to end in 12 years. Well, if that's the point, then why bother? Um, because the reality is, um, it, it's not going to end in 12 years. Um, is it going to change the way that we live? Yeah. It is. It's going to change the way that we do things. And it should, um, you know, just like uh, we, we don't sacrifice humans anymore. We don't drink blood anymore. We evolve beyond those things. And this will be another thing that we continue to evolve from. Um, so you don't need to, to fret. Um, is it is it better to have an electric car? Eh, shit, who knows? Uh, we may find out that we all switch to electric cars and the extra electricity in the atmosphere gives us all brain cancer and kills us all. We just don't know. Uh, we are literally like everybody on the earth, regardless of what any of these people tell you, we're just a bunch of assholes making shit up, trying to figure it out before we all die. Um, hopefully we figure it out. If we don't, mother nature and God will take care of the rest. And there's really not shit all you can do about it. So no, I'm not on here telling you that the world's going to end, but I'm also not telling you the world's going to end like the rest of the people that, that you listen to. Um, so there's gotta be some solutions. Um, and in traditional format of this show, I, um, uh, Democrats and lefties and all those types of people, they, they have great ideas. And, and I think that their hearts are in the right places. They have really just poor piss, poor execution of basically everything they do. Um, so are there solutions to what we can do? I, I think that there are solutions that are better than others. Um, and so let's talk about a few of those. So 
Um, short of stopping the sun from shrinking, uh, which we can't do, that'll continue uh, basically until the gravitational pull sucks us into the sun and kills us all, which uh, scientists are the best recollection or, or uh, best study think that's going to be somewhere around 3 billion years from now. So you can sleep well tonight. Um, are we going to stop you? If we stop using all the oil and gas, is that a solution? Um, well, most scientists will tell you that even if we stopped today, if we didn't use another drop of oil and gas today, the temperature would be roughly 1.1 degrees higher than it was in the height of the Industrial Revolution. Um, so it's not going to impact us that much. Now, I will tell you that the temperature is higher. We know that. And stopping using it now will have impact over time, but it's going to take hundreds of years in order to reverse that. So just by buying an electric car today doesn't mean you're going to live any longer. It does mean that the planet will probably get a little bit healthier as things move along, uh, but it's not going to fix the problem today. So what are some possible solutions? Well, um, like all things, I think everything comes down to money. And so I did a little bit of mathematics uh, to kind of help us understand what the solutions may be. Uh, currently, there are 20 million electric cars in service in the United States. So there are, uh, there's, there's 20 million electric cars driving around out there right now. Um, so it's a good start. Uh, we, you know, we only got started on this a, a while back, but there's 20 million of them right now. There, that leaves roughly 180 million licensed drivers in the United States. The average electric car costs roughly $20,000 to $25,000. If you extrapolate the math over that, you could give every licensed driver in the United States, give them an electric car for the cost of $3.8 trillion or two current COVID relief bills. So for all the time and money that they talk about, they want to spend on the Paris Climate Accord and all of that bullshit, all of that money that we're spending on all of that shit, you could outfit everybody in the United States with an electric car in less than two years. Um, and that, according to John Kerry, would save the planet. So why not do that? Well, the answer is simple, because there's no money in that. Here's another little fact for you, an idea to save the planet. Uh, currently, there are roughly 54,000 coal workers. Now, Joe Biden told them all, just learn how to do something else. That's all. It's really not that big of a deal. If you can mine coal, you can build solar plants, or, or you can be a programmer. Well, if there are 54,000 coal workers currently in the United States, and it costs roughly $3,000 to become a solar technician, for $162 million, you could re-educate every one of them. But I haven't seen that plan across anybody's desk yet. They just decided to shut coal plants in the Keystone Pipeline, put them all out of work. Uh, but they could fund them all and actually teach them a new profession, and, and that would move us all down the road. So just those two things alone would probably move the ball down the field pretty damn far. Um, and then the third, third and final one is there are roughly um, 30,000 uh, private jets um, in the United States uh, being flown at a rate of about, uh, I, I think it was a thousand miles a week. Um, so if you ban private planes from all these rich people like John Kerry, uh, then that would save us a tremendous amount of carbon uh, dioxide blasted into the atmosphere. So in less than three statements and in less than 15 minutes, I managed to figure out how to put every licensed driver in the United States in an electric car. I managed to figure out how to repurpose and reprogram and re-educate 54,000 coal workers um, and how to eliminate private planes and reduce the carbon footprint dramatically just by not letting rich people tell us what the fuck to do while they fly around planes over our heads. So what's the answer to the question? Well, you should uh, hold your government officials accountable to what they say. So John Kerry and AOC and all you idiots that told us you were going to save the planet with the new green deal. It's all a bunch of horse shit because I told you how to fix most of it in less than 15 minutes. And I got a high school diploma. Uh, so with that, uh, I'm going to let you do you and I'm going to do me. We're going to try not to piss each other off. Peace, baby. See ya.